Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. This person over, wait, this direction. No, that's Carrie. Hello, Carter. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, for those of you who are watching today, it's Monday. Actually, for everyone, that's not true. For everyone in the Western Hemisphere, it's Monday, May 10th. Uh, you can go to unsafespace.com if you want to support the show or actually just to get content because um, there may be some times when we're not, everything's not on YouTube, for example, um, and we'll always have it there. <clears throat> and uh, right now, actually, we linked a lot of library stuff, which is mostly on YouTube, but not all of it. Um, so you can go there. And we have a book club coming up on May 30th. Where's the book? Our next book is... Beyond Jordan Order. Peterson. Yep. By Jordan Peterson. That's on May 30th. The one after that is Catch-22 um, by Joseph Heller. So those are the two books you can start reading if you want. Um, what, am I forgetting anything else, Carrie? What else do we got going on? That's it. I think. All right. And Carrie, you look like you are ready for the revolution. I want to Maybe. stick an AK-47 in your hand right now and let you go. <laughs> Do your thing. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, my internet is, seems to be a little spotty here. So I'm going to let you kick things off. And I think that's fine. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, well, do you want to start with the article that you were talking about before or do you want to oh, start with something else? Oh gosh. Yes. Well, this okay. is just a bit of, no, why don't we start with something else? Cause I hope my internet is better because I want to read that part. I'm going to read that article. It's a bit of fun. Okay. Well, maybe we'll start. I'm going to, can we start out with this silly question? Not silly. A, I think actually a super fast thing. Um, Beverly before the show asked me something that I've been asked before and you and I might disagree on this. So, but I don't think it'll be long because I, I don't think there's an answer we can come to. Um, the, the difference between cancel culture and healthy ostracizing. Cause I, I do talk about ostracizing be, being the, the way to a voluntarist society, right? A, a society full of people voluntarily cooperating. You don't have the government saying you can't do things, but you do have people saying, well, I'm not associating with you for doing those things or, or whatever it is. Um, for me, and this is the part I think maybe we would disagree on, I don't think there's an inherently anything wrong with cancel culture as such. Uh, I think the, this, the problems that we have now are one, um, they're canceling their, so it's the reasons they're canceling. One, they're catastrophizing every little thing and making petty things a reason to really go after someone. So like if someone was a serial, you know, murderer or whatever, like it would make sense for society to be like, we don't want anything to do with you. Um, but they're doing it for, you know, we didn't like this tweet from 10 years ago. Uh, so one, I think the problem is we're catastrophizing things that are actually petty and don't don't actually matter that much. But two is we also have a guilt by association thing. So if someone actually does something that's petty and you don't condemn them enough, you get condemned. So for me, the question isn't really is like should cancel culture exist? It's cancel culture is something that I think is an extreme. Like actually trying to cancel someone is an extreme thing that you do for like pedophiles in your neighborhood or whatever like you don't you don't you don't do it for petty things and i think we we're in a mode right now partly because of the psychological fragility of everyone 
where every little thing that's ever happened that bothers you or anyone who's not condemning that thing loudly enough, all of that gets catastrophized and turned into the phrase that we know literally Hitler. Like, okay, actually Hitler might should, maybe literally Hitler should be canceled, but there isn't, there's very few literal Hitler. Does that make sense? What was the question? Because you were cutting out. I I think the question was, do you agree with cancel culture? But just could you restate the question? Sure. The question was, um, Beverly was asking where the line is between cancel culture and like healthy ostracizing that is part of a voluntary Uh, society. And my answer was, I don't think there's anything wrong with cancel culture as such. And then I went into my explanation. I do. Because I think that there's a difference between not associating with someone or not not going to their business and trying to get their business shut down. So I, I, a lot of times, you know, what I say about the people on the left who engage in cancel culture, if they have a bad experience or if they don't like a business because of their political beliefs, or if they think that, you know, Maria Tuscan is an awful person, you shouldn't buy from her. It's not enough from that for them not to buy from that person. They try to, it's, it's, they don't just vote with their feet. They try to cut that person's feet off so they can't operate a business and they whip up mobs to go and, and leave one star reviews for places they've never stayed at or, or shopped at or been to. They, um, they drag their name through the mud and spread all kinds of vicious lies about them. They, they try and make it so they can't operate their business. It's not enough for them to say, I won't frequent you. It's no one else gets to frequent you either. That's what, that's how I draw the line, or at least that's how I've usually seen the difference between ostracization and not choosing to frequent an establishment and cancel culture. Cancel culture is like, we want to X you out of existence. And we don't trust everyone else to come to their own conclusions about whether they want to shop there or not. We want to make it so there's a big social pressure um, and and that people are, are trying to make sure you can't even operate your business. That. That's how I see the distinction. Right. I, I would agree that all that is true about cancel culture. I just don't. Yeah. Again, I think the problem is what they're doing it over, not that they're doing and it. And also what they're doing I, it over. Like I would be okay with that if if there was a business where it was like actually, if there was like a Chuck E. Cheese run by an actual pedophile, I would be like, yeah, get the mob, write one-star reviews, doesn't matter if you've been there, tell their bank, like, I don't want them doing business. That's a totally reasonable thing. But um, that's those are so rare. Examples of that where that would be appropriate are so rare that you just it wouldn't even be talked about it because it wouldn't happen very often. Um, so. Hey, Carter, yeah. I'm going to try something. I'm going to try leaving and coming back because for me, you're breaking up a lot. And I, OK, oh, OK. I just can't hear you. Oh, if it's that bad, <laughs> go ahead and try. Try. It's fine. All right, we'll do a couple uh, super chats while Carrie's gone. Um, Richard Petz says, hi, Carrie and Carter and all those in chat. Hey, Richard. I'm about a third through human action by the awesome Ludwig von Mises. He doesn't say awesome. I'm putting words in his mouth. Can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Oh, he does say awesome. <laughs> Richard Petz. Uh, yeah, Richard, I, um, I got to say... I've said this a few times now, but I said it again the other day. I was thinking if there were three books that every college student should read that I like, I thought were, you had to read this, 
human action would be on that list. Um, it's just, it's an incredible book, but it requires active reading. It requires, it's a slog and it requires really active thinking about it, thinking about the arguments. His vocabulary is, is, is a little bit intimidating at times and it can be complex, but it's a really good book. Um, by the way, speaking of good books, <laughs> my, my wife just let me know that apparently in China, there's Atlas Shrugged brand ice cream. So maybe they're moving in the right direction. I don't know. At least the population, if not the government. I don't think that's something that would sell here. Pirate Tomsky says, I bet Hitler would be still allowed on Twitter today. <laughs> right. Yeah, he might be. His name would be Louis Farrakhan and he would be allowed on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, but they would still call Trump literally Hitler and he would not be allowed on on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do, since Carrie is uh, struggling with her internet here, let's do, um, oh, wait a minute. Hold on here. Maybe she's back. I'll do another super chat because it looks like she's rejoining. Uh, Nick Ortega, Ar sorry, Arteaga says the aim of cancel culture is warrioring and punishing wrong thinkers. Ostracization is voluntary disassociation. Yeah, but there's the distinction there isn't really clear because if I don't if I don't associate, but I say you shouldn't either. Like I do get why there's a gray area, which I think is why the question comes up. I think Carrie might be back. Yeah. Carrie? I Hello. So this is still. Uh, if you if you guys can hear me, let me know. Then I'm just going to go ahead and we can read this piece when you're ready. But. I can, we can hear you fine. Okay. It's just you're having trouble hearing me. I'm having trouble hearing you, but it's okay. Um, I, can, I can hear you. It's just choppy. That's all. So I sent you this article. I'm hoping we can pull it up on screen. Beverly's going to pull it up on screen now. Okay, this good. is your cue, Beverly. Pull it up so, on screen. We're, we're trying something new. First of all, let me tell you the tweet in which I saw this. Someone tweeted a picture, a picture of the girl. Yeah. Okay. A picture. You can see it there on the screen. It's, it's, it's a BBC article and it said, I hope, I hoped I could repress my asexuality. She now, looks like she's trying so hard. Now in the, in the tweet, in the tweet, they had selected a quote from the article and the quote was, the quote is I'm having conversations with Stonewall I would love to see asexuality included in the Equality Act and hate crime law. Okay, so that was in the tweet. But in the piece itself, I just want to read some of this to you, Carter. Yeah, <laughs> this please. Is, I'm fascinated by this. This is, a, this is a news article about, essentially, this is about how asexuality is uh, an oppressed sexuality that needs to be included in hate crime legislation and in equality in general because asexual people are not equal somehow under the law, apparently. So um, let's just start at the By beginning. By the way, I, I, I agree with someone in chat who said they don't even understand what that means right now. So Oh, don't worry. We're... They're, they're going to educate us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in the UK, our awareness of asexuality, the experience of not feeling sexual attraction towards others, is still low. A poll of over 1,000 UK adults in know, 2000. Married. You'll find out what that's like pretty quick. <laughs> a poll of over 1,000 UK adults in 2019 suggests that three quarters of them were incapable of correctly defining asexuality. So, what is asexuality? It's a spectrum. 
It's a spectrum of experiences and identities. Some asexuals don't experience romantic feelings, but others do. Some live independently and have no interest in partnerships, and others may choose to form relationships or what's known in the community as a queer platonic relationship where you have a life partner you share deep emotional closeness with without the need for romance or sex. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Are you look, I, I just, this used to be called being married and it was a problem you would go to a therapist for because you were in a relationship without sex. Uh, okay. Um, just, this, this is ridiculous. So... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there are people who have, uh, I, I, I don't even want to share my thoughts yet. I just want to get into more of this. So yeah, this, this, this BBC article then says, okay, what the terms mean, according to the Asexuality Visibility and Education Network, an organization you didn't know you needed, but there it is, doing work Oven. for you. Thank Oven. you, Avin. Thank you, Avin, out there doing the heavy lifting. Um, Avin tells us that now this is when it gets really great. Asexual, someone who does not experience sexual attraction or an intrinsic desire to have sexual relationships. Okay. Ace. Very important. Okay. A-C-E. Ace. Ace. This is an umbrella term used to describe a variation in levels of romantic and sexual attraction. <laughs> what? A variation? I'm totally ace. Because sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. So I can identify what <laughs> variation in levels. Okay. Demisexual. Wait, wait, what? wait, wait. Can I point something out about, uh, yeah. about this? Uh, especially the ACE thing. I suspect, and I'm not, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked into this. I suspect that they're not asking the question towards whom, right? Yeah. Because we all have moments of not sexual attraction towards yeah. Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and plenty of people, right? Speak and then we have, partner. right? Uh, <laughs> hey, to each his own, Carrie. You can be Pelosi sexual, um, but then we have moments where we are attracted. Largely, that depends on the other person. Perhaps you know whether we're tired or our diet or exercise levels or whatever. But you know, generally, the other person is the big factor. This is so just, it's just narcissism. It's okay. Wait, let's finish. Demisexual. Yeah. Demisexual is one that we've talked about before. Okay. Here's how they define it. Demisexual. Someone who can only experience sexual attraction or desire after an emotional bond has been formed. Well, they erased wow. the word woman. So I guess they need another word for it. Well, <laughs> I, I see what you're doing there, but this is just, uh, okay, you would rather you're yeah. being a okay. yeah. You'd rather be emotionally involved first. Okay, sure. A romantic, a romantic is someone who does not experience romantic attraction or a desire to have romantic relationships. Now, here's a great one: gray sexual. Gray sexual is someone who identifies with the area between asexuality and sexuality because <laughs> asexuality and sexuality were not enough. Now we bring you gray sexual. <laughs> Wait, isn't that? I thought that was ace. Oh, that or that's a high variance. It's ace. That's a variance. It's ace. Gray sexual. I thought gray means... sexual would be like geriatric, like you know, you really liked old people. Nope. Gray sexual means you don't really identify with asexual or sexual because those weren't enough. You needed your own 
gray area. Okay, heteroromantic. Now listen to this one. Romantically attracted to someone of the opposite sex. So I'm a heteroromantic. I didn't even realize I was oppressed in this way. Well, Carrie, I'm offended by this because <laughs> there are there are more than two sexes, clearly. So what the hell do they mean, the opposite sex? Right. What the hell is this kind of definition? This is a this is a heteronormative, problematic <laughs> definition, and I reject this definition. Oh this my! Is horrible. Homo romantic. Well, you know, you can guess what that means. Romantically attracted to someone of the same sex. Okay, allosexual. Sometimes shortened to allo, if for the Hello. Cool kids. Allo and allosexual is someone who experiences sexual attraction and the intrinsic desire to have sexual relationships. <laughs> What? <laughs> Hello. Would you like to have sex? That's that's like human. They're human. <laughs> They're an allo, I have an allosexual. <laughs> I have a desire to have relationships. <laughs> oh my gosh! Put me in the Is hate there... crime law. Put me in that hate crime bill. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Carrie. Is there a uh, is there a category for someone who likes to write ridiculous articles about sexual characterizations? That's not here. That's not here. I'm more of a dark gray sexual slash oh. allosexual demi. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then it says <clears throat> for for the Avon though, it's clear that the number of people identifying with the term worldwide has been growing. Quote, the most noticeable thing is that new communities are emerging all the time. Yeah, like they do in an ideology that tells you you have to have an oppressed identity in order to have a voice. So we, this happens all. Yes, there are new communities of identity emerging all the time because you're we're now living in a world with a with a cultural belief system that says you have to be part of an oppressed identity in order to be able to speak. <laughs> He's right, though. That is the most noticeable thing about it. Uh. Oh, that is the most noticeable thing about it? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's that there actually aren't any clear reasons behind any of this. Uh, no. It just happens. Okay, listen to this. This is about specifically about the ACE community. That's the umbrella term for variance. In... Okay, today the online ACE community is represented on social media, Facebook, and Discord. Yes, of course you are. That's where all of this craziness starts now. It used to start in the universities. Now it's on what community isn't media. represented on Facebook and Discord and social media? I don't. <laughs> there are organizations the in many different countries around the world, including outside of the Anglosphere. Year on year, we've had a steady increase of members joining Avon. Here, three individuals on the asexuality spectrum talk about what it's been like growing up. Oh my gosh, with a sexual Carrie, orientation that many may are still unaware of. Oh my gosh. Okay, so look at this girl. I'm just going to just read this. Uh, I'm going to summarize here. It says, Yasmin, 24 from reading, is a model. Up, Beverly. There you go. Okay, is a model and an activist. Yeah, no shit. I'm, I'm not surprised you're an activist. <laughs> is an activist who identifies as an aromantic asexual. <laughs> Look at her makeup and face, and <laughs> but she's, I'm asexual. Uh, Check yeah. out my hair. <laughs> like, of course. Oh, yeah. oh, are you, honey? 
Are you asexual, sweetie? You certainly look aromantic and asexual. Okay. <laughs> uh, quote, I was 15 when I found out I was asexual. I was at school and I had been using alternative phrases to describe what it was I was feeling. I said that I was straight, but I didn't like guys or that I wasn't attracted to anyone. And then someone said, maybe you're asexual. I Googled it and I watched YouTube videos. And then I realized there were other people who had the same experience as me. Uh, okay. But anyway, she goes on about her special truth. And then now then let's just scroll on down to the next woman. This is the woman that was at the, the, the front they used her image for the whole article. Um, listen to her bio. Alice 23 is a mental health advocate Okay, so activist again. <laughs> I was like, what comes after mental health? Advocate who identifies as a hetero romantic asexual. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anybody who's watching this who, who feels somewhat asexual, by the way, I'm not laughing at, at people who don't have a lot of sexual drive, who don't have a high sex drive or a romantic feeling. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the fact that they that now every single, there's an, the, the human experience, we all, we're all individual special snowflakes, okay? And then we have things that may, that we have in common that bring us together, the common human experience, which they want to deny is exists. But anyway, we're all special snowflakes. I'm laughing at the idea that, that we need to carve out identities for how special each snowflake is and communities. And then those identities all need to be specially recognized and written into hate crime legislation. And, you know, it's, it's actually Carter. This has made me think about some very serious things. I, I started thinking I used really? to support. Yes. I start. <laughs> I used to, <laughs> I used to support hate crime legislation, but now I think, you know what? Every crime is a hate crime. What are we, are we oh, going to just crime keep, is the worst concept ever. Are we just going to keep expanding hate crime legislation? It was like, well, this special snowflake's not included in this one and this one and this one. And it's like, yeah, because we should all be in there because every murder is a hate murder. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I welcome. Welcome to the club, Carrie. Hate crimes are not any different than crimes. They shouldn't be hate crime laws. Well, so this article <sighs> brought me there. <laughs> so there's some positive thing that Avin has done. Thank you, Avin, for existing as an organization. And uh, for pointing out the ridiculousness of this. Yeah, I I don't know. The thing that's so weird about this to me is we went from a, I'll say maybe the 80s, 90s, whatever. We went from a, a, a culture that was really embracing this idea that you could kind of be who you wanted and it was fine. And like no one, yeah. David Bowie didn't need a, classification um like he was just david bowie and yeah and we were kind of cool with that and we were saying hey there's no one way to be a female there's no one way to be a male you can do what you want and you know no one would uh you know we we went from uh shaming people for behavior that we didn't like to try and you know being a lot more accepting and open of it and now we've gone into this like this it's pseudo medicine right it's this like attempt to 
it's pseudobiology. Their attempt to make these things sound like they're legitimate categories. Like there's nothing there's nothing different but, from this than like I'm a Cheetophilic because I like Cheetos. That's my identity. There's no <laughs> And sometimes I want Cheetos more than other times, but you know and like and I would identify as a Cheeto because I don't like Cheetos or whatever. Like I doesn't <laughs> there's no there's no difference between this. Sex is just a behavior. It's a behavior that you enjoy <laughs> to whatever amount you do or don't enjoy with whomever you do or don't enjoy that with. And like, that's what it is. This is just a classification of, it's literally a classification of feelings and it's not even static. It's not even like, I always feel this way because <laughs> there's stuff in here. It's like, I sometimes feel different ways. That's a category. Like, all right. That is, it is that is so pathetic, and it's so. By, and now, by the way, here's what I think is dangerous about it. Um, it really empowers a kind of navel gazing that is yes. completely destructive to your life. Yes, completely destructive. Yes, because look at this girl. The one we did we profile before this one is like her whole life is built around discovering this special identity or whatever. And this this girl too, this woman, she says, uh. Uh, you know, she heard the term uh, at 17. She was involved with a boy for the first time who wanted to engage in a lot of sexual activity as any teenager would. I, well, there's your first clue that, no, you're making assumptions. Not every teenager wants to engage in a lot of sexual activity. If that's what you're basing it on, it's like, he's the norm and you're not. No wonder you th thought you needed a special category of identity that makes you different. Humans have different levels of sexual desire and attraction and and the older you get, the more you realize that it's not some static. Even the stereotypes we see in the in the media are not true. We have the media, you know, it's this a lot of pop culture used to anyway in the 90s. A lot of the TV shows would be like, oh, in a marriage, the man wants to have sex all the time and the woman doesn't. And, right. you know, that's not even true. Like a lot of these things that we believe it's right. like, oh, this is the way it is. Or 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 the fact that she says our oh, teenagers want to have a lot of sexual activity. No, that's not true. All teenagers don't want to have a lot of sexual activity. Um so she's like, it's such a confusing time. I had no idea why I was feeling this way. Because you're human and that's the way you were feeling. It doesn't mean that you're like part of some oppressed minority of people. <laughs> I need to figure out my identity. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And look, even if, here's the other thing though, even if it is normal for, like, I think it is normal for young men to want to have sex. Like, that's normal. Right. But not Being every... abnormal isn't like, you, like... It's also normal to be exactly five eight or whatever the average height is, and it's normal to like. There's lots of normal things. Like you don't, you're not like, oh, I'm I'm a special category because I don't like pizza, but most other teenagers do. Like, so what? That doesn't. That's not a category. That's not a thing about. That's not an intrinsic characteristic about you that matters. It's just a feeling that you're having. And frankly, I don't know anyone whose sex drive hasn't fluctuated throughout their life, but depending on their age, diet exercise level and interest in the freaking people around them. So I, the idea that this is, it, it's just encouraging, like I said, it's just encouraging this weird level of, it's solipsism, right? It's, it, that's what it is. It's solipsism philosophically, right? Solipsism yeah. is this, is this concept that you are the universe, like everyone out, outside around you is just like, not real kind of like every, it's you're, you're the center of the universe. It, that's what it is. Right. And there needs to be a word for me. It's, and by the way, 
there we have ways to deal with all this stuff. They're called adjectives. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm horny. I'm really horny. I'm not horny at all. We have adjectives. <laughs> like, we, I, like, very, not much. Like, we have adjectival phrases and adjectives that deal with the language for this. We don't need to create categories unless we feel like we need to make everyone feel so special yeah. somehow and so or oppressed or whatever it is. And that's the danger in that because uh, wow. Yeah. I want to read one more part from this. This is um, from Giovanni. This is the third person that they profile. They don't have a photo of him, but he says um, recently around, this is where the entitlement comes. Once you've started feeling like now I'm part of, I've put a label on it. It's an oppressed identity. I've got an oppressed identity. Then you start feeling entitled. Then it's like, yep my oppressed identity needs to be represented and validated and other people need to also agree that it's an oppressed identity because it's not enough. It, you know, what I think isn't enough. Everyone else has to validate me too. So this is what Giovanni says recently around the UK census. I really wanted to somehow mark my identity on the census. I said on Twitter, on Twitter profile. <laughs> I said on Twitter <laughs> that it would be nice if people could include that they belong to more than one sexual identity on it, such as gay and asexual. I got pushback on it, all from gay men. And I was really shocked at the animosity. People were completely dismissing it as an identity or were complaining that every preference needs its own identity now. Some people don't understand that you can be gay and asexual. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you got pushback up. People think that you're you're making up an identity because you want to be, yes. And, and that bothers you, what they think? Like, uh, anyway, okay, I just had to read that last part. Because that, it, it really is, the entitlement comes next. Then it's like, okay, now I'm entitled to the special treatment, validation. I need to be included in legislation. I don't feel like I'm validated enough by everyone else. No one else is gazing at the navel, my navel. I'm gazing at my navel. Everyone else, please gaze at my navel. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm done with it. <laughs> it. I, I keep thinking of this word probably because of that book, but the word coddling just keeps coming to mind. It was an excellent choice in the for that that title that Jonathan uh, Haidt and yeah. Greg Lukianoff chose, Coddling of the American Mind. Coddling is the right word. It's this it's this coddling of these people. And there is a word, like there are words for these categories. Snowflake, um, <laughs> like whiner. Like those are, you're a whiner. You're a little pathetic whiner. That's the category that you're in. Why don't you put that in your Twitter profile? Um, it, it's on some level. I don't understand it though, because it's when, when I read this article, I shared it, I said, special snowflake. And the thing is we are, we are all special snowflakes. We're all individuals. Why do you I mean, feel, why do you need, why do you need your special snowflakeness to be recognized? with a category and and legislation and and public validation that it's a, that it is a category or something i don't understand that <laughs> yeah i mean it's i think it's the word special even that i take issue with like yeah we're all different we're all unique mathematically exist identical twins but they have different life experiences and choices so that makes them unique um we're all unique but that doesn't mean you're special. Like I'm not, 
We're not special. Like if if a meteor, if that stupid Chinese satellite that the rocket that's breaking up in that, I don't know if it's done breaking up and falling to Earth, but if it falls on the house right now and kills me, like, okay, there will be people who will be sad about it. <clears throat> but like humanity humanity marches on. Like I'm not I'm special to those people, but you know, there's there's not <laughs> Australia is not going to have a national day of mourning and change their economy because like some dude got killed. But like, we're not that special. Like, get over yourself. You're not that special. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, you should be special to the people in your life around you, but that's through your actions. You should make yourself special to those people by being the kind of person that they want to be around and love and, and being worthy of it. But you're not like, you're not intrinsically special. You're intrinsically like, you know, a weak, flabby baby who would die naked on, you know, some animal would eat you. You're not special. <laughs> You're just unique. Just You're like unique. you don't well, need to be special, though, to feel happy. You shouldn't need to feel like the universe revolves around you in order to live a happy, productive life. I know I'm not special metaphysically, but I'm happy and I'm doing what I want to do and I'm working for the stuff that matters to me. And, and there are things that are more important to me than my own specialness. And that's healthy. <laughs> like, I shouldn't need to be told that, that, like, Carter, you're the most special person ever. Oh, I'm special. I have a category. Maybe we need to hate law crime. <laughs> you know, I need to, like, I, or else what? I can't get out of bed unless I'm told I'm special? That you're broken. If you need to be told you're special in order to get out of bed and live a life, you're broken. Go to therapy. No, but the problem is the therapists are starting to push this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you need a time <laughs> machine. Go to therapy 20 years ago. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you for letting it's me annoying. read you that article. I thought you would enjoy it. <laughs> I actually loved that article. I actually loved that article. Uh, <laughs> let's um, let's read the super chats because I think we got a bunch related to that article. So we should okay. get through those now while it's fresh okay. in our head. Um, <clears throat> Azor says, oh, no, sorry. The captain's log says she is a potato. Potatoes don't need a <laughs> what <laughs> potatoes don't need what i don't know what that i mean i just like it it's funny uh this article has put me in a mood though carrie i'm just kind of <laughs> it's good <laughs> uh azora says blorp said to other blorp i am gray we are gray <laughs> yeah <laughs> um twee girl says asexuality is fluid <laughs> right me too twee girl you know there are just times when I'm not asexual. And there are times when I am. I'm asexually fluid. Uh, I'll fly <laughs> especially around Pelosi, who is in the next tweet. Uh, I'll, or not tweet, uh, super chat. I'll fight you naked. Says, I would do Pelosi just to snap her hip. I, you know. Whoa, it's, no. It's no. noble, but that's a step too far. I'll fight you naked. I don't think. No. I mean, that's taking one for the team a little bit too far. Uh, it's also not very kind. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's not kind. Bart Tomsky says, that's the British version. Hello, you fancy some fun squire. <laughs> uh, I love the Brits. You know what? Can we, I would just like to hear a bunch of, of British come-ons. I think that would be hilarious. Maybe Bart Tomsky can do them for us. <laughs> um, but but the thing is, the I want to hear a British accent talking about being allosexual. Hello, I'm allosexual. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> the gay rascal says, so dark rooms are allosexual safe spaces? 
Uh, Blackbeard says substituting a personality with sexuality. Yes. And not much of a personality at that. Uh, Super Iron Bob says, I wonder how much of this may be chemically induced via over-medication. That actually, I think, is an interesting question, not only by medication, but by um, diet. Because I'll just, you know, I don't want to TMI the audience, but we talk about sex sometimes. I was in the sex toy industry for a while. Like, I've studied, actually, sexuality quite a bit. Um, I've noticed in myself, diet plays an immense role and diet and exercise play an immense role in my personal libido and the people around me. Like it, I've seen it. Um, so it would be, it would make, it would be no surprise if drugs like Ritalin that some of these kids are are pumped up full of, uh, when they're young and other drugs that are starting to be, uh, prescribed more commonly for normal behavior. Uh, it would be no surprise if that was altering, uh, desires. That's by the way, that's something we're. I don't want to get into a big can of worms now, but we never talk about the over medication of, of humans anymore. It's sort of like, it was a topic for a while in the news and then people just dropped it. And now it's almost like everybody you meet is on some prescription medication long-term, you know, where the antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, you know, it's just, we just don't even blink at it anymore. And yeah. I don't know what effect this has on people. Mike Harlow and I have talked about this off camera before, just about the uh, uh, how, how ubiquitous it is now. And it used to be something, I mean, you'll still hear people sometimes talk about our kids over-medicated with ADHD meds, like that specific kind of med. Right. But it, when it comes to like antidepressants and stuff, people just treat them like, like it's normal that everybody takes them. That's yeah, a, I would at least, have said at an least antidepressant you know, for kids if I knew one, but I couldn't think of a name. What's the name of an antidepressant for kids that they're on? I don't know. Oh, I don't I don't know if they're on the same ones as adults, but you know, Prozac what like Prozac, like Xanax, was that is Xanax one? Let Love so. I can't remember. Anyway, Levitra? Lexapro. I've seen ads for that. Is that a thing? Or is that like Lex- an ADD drug? I've seen ads for uh, I don't know what that one is, but Lexapro <laughs> is an antidepressant. Um, anyway, sometime we should do a video on that. I'd like to talk about that more. Yeah. And, and just as a, again, not a doctor, but not that I should have to say that obviously I'm not a doctor guys. Um, but you do have, and I think this does happen with uh, SSRIs in particular. I'm not totally clear, but I I do think I've read this and maybe someone in chat, if they have medical background, um, can correct me, but I, I imagine it happens with other drugs. We know it happens with other drugs. Um, so SSRIs are selective serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, right? Um, what happens is your body can adjust to, I don't know if this happens with SSRIs, but it happens with other drugs. Your body adjusts to the new levels. Like you're mucking with the chemical levels. And this is how like tolerance gets built up for things. Your body adjusts to those levels. And so then if that's removed, you're worse off than you were before. It seems like a pretty horrible long-term plan to say like, oh, you've got to be on this drug to alter your mental state for the rest of your life. Because it's an ever, you're, you're signing up for basically an ever increasing amount of that drug if, if you don't want to go through some kind of massive crash, which I imagine would be. Uh, suicidal and uh, you know suicidal uh inducing and i carrie you know this better than i do because you study these freaks aren't a lot of the mass shooters on ssris and other stuff 
I think they are. Um, a lot of them have been. Yeah. Did you call them freaks? Um, you keep yes. breaking up, so I can't hear. I, if Carter says something I disagree with, I don't know because he's breaking up. <laughs> Just assume but, she disagrees with anything you think I said that was wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of school shooters were on were on medication, but you know, that's you can't obviously. Our audience knows this, but for anyone new watching, I'm not saying that's why they were school shooters. Um, but, but yeah, they were on meds, but, but see, that's the thing is everybody, I know a lot of people on meds now and it's sort of just, maybe, maybe it depends on where you live. When I was in Los Angeles, it seemed like it's just something that everyone does that, that it's not, I, it's not so much treated as, okay, I'm going through a depress a period of depression. I'm going to take this medication for a period of time and get off it. It was more like, Oh, what meds do you take? What meds do you take? It's just like this kind of permanent thing that people yep. do um no same, that, same in silicon valley yeah yeah, yeah. i Although i was on an antidepressant. adderall was a big one in silicon valley everyone just was on adderall all the time. oh a lot of people were on that do drug, you want yeah. an addy it's like all right like yeah yeah i i was on antidepressants for a while and um and it wasn't treated as like when i was in los angeles it wasn't treated as something that i needed to come off of Right. It was, you know, and so, and then when I, uh, when I went, I went off of them by myself, I just stopped taking them. And, uh, it did, it was like, they say, you know, taper down and all that. And, uh, and the first time I, I went off it by myself, anyway, I had a bad, this is now we're like story hour, but the first time I came off, it was, I was like really emotional. I was all over the place. Sure. of course. So I went back on a small dose and then the next time I came off, I was fine. And you know, I don't ever want to go back on meds again because I, I just, I, I had gotten to a place myself where I wasn't questioning it. And then one day I was like, why am I taking these all the time? Like, you know, how, what would I be like without them? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I it, it, it is dangerous. And, and there are, sometimes you have like irrational things in your life that have mistakenly prevented you from doing things. Like I've always had an irrational, like, I don't like any medicine. I'm never taking pills. Like, so for a while, I wouldn't never, I wouldn't even take like Advil if I had a headache or anything. I'll now I'll take like an ibuprofen if I need to. But um, that probably saved me from like taking stuff that is kind of normal that I was just like, eh. um, you know, maybe I should have taken some stuff at some points when I didn't, but I survived. Um, okay. All right. Pirate Topsky says, I'm asexual, asexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Why bother says you should look up scoliosexual, the hypocrisy oh, no. of the super straight outrage. I'm going to look it up right now because that's just weird. Scoliosexual. Scoliosexual. Uh, someone who is scoliosexual is sexually attracted to people who identify with a non-binary gender. Okay. Okay. Good one. Oh, gosh. Um, Spinning Cloud. <clears throat> Spinning Cloud says, and by the way, YouTube, Spinning Cloud is saying this, not us, so don't kick us off. Vaccines cause autism. Tolerance lost by Andrew Mulden. And this is probably largely responsible for this dysfunctional, non-reproductive sexualities. Um, I do not, I will not stand by the statement that vaccines cause autism. Um, I don't know anything. I haven't studied it. Um, but I will say, I do not like that vaccine companies 
and this is true, don't have legal liability, that should give you a little bit of a pause. Yeah. They're not liable for whatever it does. Uh, Adam Coleman. These people have turned momentary feelings into a social label. Also, that girl was 15 years old at a time when many young people are sexually confused. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, as as the father of a daughter who's about 12, you can see the kids at her school, even in the same grade. So assuming like kids at the same age, um, a couple years older than her, you can tell like some of them are clearly much more into their sexuality and exploring that, you know, then others who look like they're still, you know, else I'll, I'll use the word innocent, but it looks still just, you know, kids doing their thing. Like people develop at different ages. Remember back to your own high school, like there was the, you know, there was the kid in seventh grade who had a mustache and looked like, you know, he was like seven feet tall and he was, you know, <laughs> and, and had, you know, uh, a deep voice. And then there was squeaky kids who were squeaky all the way up until college. Right. Um, so people develop at different rates as well. Yeah. Richard Petz uh, says, I see this all coming out of not understanding, quote, what you believe, understand, and why you believe it. Truly lazy thinking. Yep. Super Iron Bob says, is this actually rational behavior when many avenues into access to political systems is gated on oppressed status? Feigning these might be rational behavior in the short term. I don't think it's long-term rational because it's not good for your own psychology and actually access to political systems is not really necessarily a rational goal long-term uh, unless you have a, an agenda that's completely 180 degrees uh, opposite of these people. So I, I wouldn't say that, but I would say that it maybe makes sense why people are incentivized to do this. Uh, and I think that's, I think we got through the super chats. I think that's it. Cool. There's something else I wanted to discuss today. And yeah. this was a CNN piece that just blew my mind because of how, op how open they were being with about their opinions. And um, I sent you two screenshots from it. Cause I, I didn't copy the actual link. So the first one, I want to read from some of this. The, so they they did a big study. CNN is talking about a study where they're looking at the pe people who have taken the vaccine, people who they call the vaccine hesitant. And they say, mm -hmm. those are the people who are sort of, I'm going to wait and see. And they said, those are about 20% of people are vaccine hesitant. And then there's another 15 to 20% of people that have said they're just not going to take it no matter what. So this article is basically saying, it's a CNN article saying, how do we get the vaccine hesitant to take it? How do we get them to take it? And they were talking about how some people had said Trump should make a statement to these people. And then, and then let me start reading from this part. It goes, a look at the data reveals that the vaccine hesitant group, however, are not big Trump lovers. They're actually likely not to be Republican. Instead, many of them are people who are detached from the political process and didn't vote for either major candidate in 2020. The most recent Kaiser poll helps illustrate that the vaccine hesitant group doesn't really lean Republican. Just 20% of the group called themselves Republican with an additional 19% being independents who leaned Republican. The clear majority, 61%, were not Republicans. 41% said they were Democrats or Democratic-leaning independents, and 20% were 
were either pure independents or undesignated. Um, this is very much unlike the vaccine resistant group. That, those are the ones that, that's what they call the ones who are not gonna get it no matter what. Of whom 55% are Republican or Republican leaning independents, just 21% of that group are Democrats or Democratic leaning independents. The Kaiser poll points to a larger problem. There isn't going to be a single ideological message that appeals to a majority of the vaccine hesitant group. They're of all political stripes. Okay, then go to the next screenshot. The March Kaiser Family Foundation poll shows us another issue. Traditional political type messages may not work on them either. That poll asked respondents whether they were registered to vote and for whom they voted in the 2020 election. The overwhelming plurality, 48%, were people who either didn't vote, voted third party, or weren't willing to disclose who they cast a ballot for. The rest were split, 31% for Trump and 20% for President Joe Biden. The poll gets at the fact that the that the efforts to vaccinate the population isn't a political campaign to reel in voters. If we use traditional election tactics to reach the vaccine hesitant group, we're likely to lose. Okay, <laughs> thoughts, Carter. <laughs> uh, I'm actually encouraged by this. I like it. Because as much as we think that this is politicized, uh, and I think the mask mandates were largely politicized um, mm -hmm. by the mainstream media predominantly, um, I think you know you've said this before, Carrie. There are <clears throat> there are a lot of hippies out there, and like real hippies. Yes. Not not modern day used to be hippies, but are now actually quite conservative um, or radical leftists. Uh, yeah, there are some real hippies out there who are hesitant. And and he, here's the thing. I, here's the thing with vaccines also, just generally, and especially these vaccines. When you are for so long and continually uh, lied to and treated like Treated like you just need to be manipulated to get whatever agenda done, done. Um, and I don't mean that just for COVID. I mean, even before that, I mean, there's been just the vaccine thing's an example. You're, you can't even really have a discussion about it. If I were to, like, if I were to say, let's, I know this would happen because I've seen people say this in our channel. If I were to say, hey, I haven't really studied vaccines, let's, let's, let's have a really open discussion with someone who's uh, a doctor who's strongly pro-vaccine and a doctor who's strongly anti-vaccine, and let's try and dig into the truth, and I don't know what the truth is. Um, we would be probably deplatformed for giving a platform to the anti-vaccine yep. position. And maybe, and, and all, the, all the accusations against the anti-vaccine crowd will be, they're anti-science, they're cherry-picking data, they're misrepresenting, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, I have found, sometimes I do find examples, like I, saw, I heard someone make some claim about uh, the fertility um, polysorbate 80 being in vaccines and affecting fertility. And like, I looked it up and I, I did a little bit of research in it, not a lot, but it's just not, that's not an accurate claim. They're cherry, they are cherry-picking data, they're misrepresenting a study, like, that's not a claim that I think holds water. 
Um, it's an invalid claim, and yet I do hear anti-vaxxers make it. So there are, even, even if you want to say it's total bunk on the other side, no one's going to believe you if you don't actually have the conversation, allow the conversation, and expose, like, let expose the information and let people decide for themselves. The minute you say you can't have the conversation, I think a lot of rational people are just suspect. and like, well, what do you not want us to know? What are these right. people saying that you don't want us to know? Because you're afraid to have the conversation with these people. And that gives them credibility, right? The scientific community, like, okay, now they, they probably wouldn't have a flat earther at a conference because it's so a ridiculous thing. Right. But you wouldn't get kicked off of YouTube if a flat earther wanted to debate a NASA scientist. YouTube wouldn't kick them off for like daring to platform the flat earther. They'd be like, no, go ahead, make your case. We'll see because, how ridiculous it is. Right, because it's right? ridiculous. Well, but so they don't do that. So rational people should like, it makes sense that they're skeptical of this. So here's, here's, I had a couple of thoughts about this piece. One, I am encouraged to see that the number of hesitant, the 20%, and that's in addition to the 20, the 15 to 20% that aren't going to take it. I'm encouraged to see that it's a pretty large percentage and that it is so politically diverse. Um, the thing that made me laugh about this piece, though, is because they have they have politicized the mask mandates. They politicized the um, lockdowns. They politicized the vaccine. Yeah. And we've been saying all along, because I was telling you what I know to be true with my eyes and ears is not what they're telling me. I know all the all the anti-mask people who hold the protests in my little town are lefties. They're actual hippies. They're on the left. They're the moms who are like the crunchy nature moms who go to the natural grocers. The, the natural grocers never enforced a mask mandate. The hippie lefty grocery store never enforced a mask mandate here. I know that it is not a left-right issue. It is an authoritarian individualism issue. And I also know I have conservative family members who tend to lean a little authoritarian conservative who support lockdowns. They're yep. fine with the government telling you what to do. It, it What you think about these things organically has to do with what you think about authoritarianism and individualism. Do you believe the government has a right to force these things on people or not? That's not a right-left issue. There's authoritarians on the right and the left. There's a lot of them on the left today. <laughs> so yep. what, but what happened though was the media, the media turned it into, they used their the same propaganda, the thing that works so well all the time. How do we control people? Well, we've already built this left-right prejudice into them. And we've told them that this tribalism matters so much. Which tribe are you? So if we get the left people to think that all the left people are doing this, then those on the left who are sheep will just follow right along. And if we get the right people to think that those on the right are doing this other thing, then those on the right who are sheep will just follow along. And so when they made it a fake left, right thing in the media, then you saw people, but people became tribal. Then it became a right. tribe. Those who the percentage of people who are followers in each of those tribes followed, but it's not organically left, right. And the people who are, who are not followers, a lot of them don't, uh, some of them are, they fit with their type because they were there first, you know, they, but some of them don't, some of the people who are not followers or who are in, they, they're over here or they're over here and they don't, they don't fit with whatever the media is telling you. This is what people on the right believe. And this is what people on the left believe. So it makes perfect sense to me that those who are hesitant are all over the map. 
And I thought it was really funny that CNN is like flummoxed by this. And they're basically yeah. saying, wait a minute, but how do we manipulate them and get them to take the vaccine? And I, I love the fact they make no bones about they're a news organization that's telling you an opinion that you should take the vaccine. First of all, you should, your news organization should not be telling you this, but they are. And they're saying we should, it is, it is a preferred thing that you take the vaccine. How do we get them to do it? Because our usual manipulation tactics, our usual right, left propaganda doesn't seem to work on this 20% of people. So how do we do this? <laughs> I'm like, that just kind of made me laugh a lot that they're, they're stumped. Well, I think the legacy media, I mean, because they're kind of the dinosaurs, they're still, I think they still view the world in the left, right way. Like that's how they view the world. Um, and they don't notice one of the most, for me, one of the most heartwarming things about that statistic is the large, large percentages in those groups who weren't Republican or Democrats. Yes. It's like, oh, that's quite interesting. So people yes. who don't just blindly pull the donkey lever or the elephant lever, those are a large percentage of the people that are not doing this. That's that's interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I the vaccine thing, I actually don't want to call the COVID stuff vaccines, but I'm just I'm gonna try and switch to calling them jabs or whatever. Jabs. Um, well, because the mRNA, the mRNA jabs are, I don't think technically vaccines. I don't even think the, I don't think they would even claim that they're vaccines if you actually talk to the people making them. They are, um, they're, they're kind of like a gene therapy time. Like they, they, they train your body to produce uh, I believe it's the spike proteins. It's a spike protein, are, yeah. Right. So, and and actually, just something uh, I'll probably do a, a a brief thing about this uh, on another show because I'm not done doing research. But um, there have been some interesting developments in in the coronavirus research, specifically around spike proteins. They took a the Salk Institute did this. They took a um, so the spike proteins are the thing that lets the coronavirus get into cells, right? I'm not a biologist, so bear with me. Spike proteins are the things that kind of like, oh, basically think about it as like they unlock the doors to the cells and they let the they let the virus get into the cells and then and then do its thing in the cell. Um, and the argument, you know, the assumption was that it, this was a respiratory virus and it was the virus that was the problem and the spike proteins were just kind of a mechanism. But the Salk group took the spike proteins and they surrounded they surrounded a benign thing with the spike proteins so it wasn't the virus and they saw basically the damage that you would expect that would produce the symptoms that are already covid so you saw epithelial cell damage which is the lining of the uh, blood vessels um and they they tried this in animals and then they tried it in a petri dish with with human epithelial cells um and the scary thing about it is this, so the spike protein, now they're saying, well, maybe this, maybe the coronavirus itself is actually a vascular disease, not not a respiratory disease, because you do have a lot of symptoms, loss of smell and other stuff that are like not really respiratory symptoms. Um, and, you, and you had a lot of issues around that. And obviously a vascular disease can, can affect the respiratory system. So 
anyway, the thing that's weird about this is those spike proteins, all of the jabs contain them. They're teaching the body to recognize, it's like they're putting those in bodies. That's what they're doing. So that I look again, I'm not a biologist. I haven't read enough about it, but I look at that and I think to myself, well, this is interesting. Like, this is interesting. Why isn't this in the mainstream media saying, hey, here's the studies over here. This is what this is an interesting thing, because a lot of times we don't really, really understand what's going on. Everyone's referring to these as vaccines, even when they're kind of a form of gene therapy, most of them. And we're not even allowed to say you can't even be someone anymore who is a complete NPC normie who just wants to trust the government. You can't even say, well, I'm waiting for final FDA approval. No, no, now you're <laughs> That's in the not vac- allowed. No, That's you're like in the back. Ba- like, what a lame statement. They put you in the vaccine hesitancy group if you're a normal, rational person who says, I would like to wait and see what happens. I would like to know mm-hmm. more. And I would like to see some longitudinal studies, like maybe wait long enough to see some studies that I can look at. And right. now they treat that like you're a problem. This piece, the CNN piece, was one of the least, uh, or not least, but it was, it was, uh, it, it, it demonized them less than some of the other pieces I've read. The, the media pieces are now, you know, they're demonizing the so-called vaccine right. hesitant and the vaccine resistors. Um, right. And I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see where things go because they feel like it's not enough for them. I saw Pirate Tomsky's super chat come up a second ago. He said, it's pretty simple. If you decide to take the vaccine after weighing the risk, then, you know, take it and accept the responsibility that comes with taking those risks. And if you decide not to take it, then after you've weighed the risk, then accept the responsibility that comes with taking the risk of not taking it. It's pretty simple. But this whole media machine, the political, the social media machine, it's all geared toward convincing us. Oh, I didn't even send you the other articles I was looking at the past few days are numerous articles where they're saying, um, again, these are all pieces about the so-called vaccine hesitant. And they're rolling out. Here we go. This is also CNN. I'll just put it up here so you can see it. Free beer and a hot dog. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Across the U.S., incentives push to get holdouts vaccinated against COVID-19. Here's another headline. U.S. rolls out carrots and expands access and push to get holdouts vaccinated and then, and then in the article, they, they talk about how um, some of these carrots are access to cultural events. The National Football League has offered 50 Super Bowl tickets to fans who share their stories of why they wanted to get vaccinated. Baseball's New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees, will offer fans a free ticket if they get an on-site Johnson Johnson shot. And in Chicago, the city announced a monthly concert series held exclusively for fully vaccinated people. Then there's universities. Rowan University in Glasgow, New Jersey, is offering a healthy incentive. Incentive full-time students who show proof of being fully vaccinated by August seventh will get a $500 credit toward their courses and another $500 towards housing costs. Um, and then some of the states, most directly, a few states have offered to pay those who get vaccinated. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice said last week he wants the state to offer a $100 savings bond to residents. 13 to 35 who get vaccinated. Maryland has also offered $100 to state employees. I, this whole insistence that we make the decision they made that's coming from the cathedral that we have to make a certain decision. It's, it's super creepy. 
Um, I think it's having the opposite than intended effect. You and I talked about this. They're so aggressive about it that, I mean, I'm becoming more resistant by the day. I'm in that resistant group yeah. now. I'm like, I'm not taking this. Take your hot dogs and your free donuts and your cash bribes. And you're like a you're like a, a creeper in a van. It's like, get in my van, kid. I've got candy. I'm you not getting in your van. In chat, there's something of the old man at the school gate with a bag of sweets about this. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes exactly. It's creepy. Take your yeah. hot dogs and your beer. By the way, this is about health, right? Free hot dogs and beer and donuts. What? So I don't so I don't think that stuff is gonna work. I don't think stuff like free hot dogs and beer is gonna work because they are miscategorizing the population of people that are not taking this vaccine. They are coming from an elitist attitude where they believe that you're just too fucking stupid to take the to take the shot. Yeah. And yes. you're dumb enough that if they bribe you with beer and donuts and hot dogs, you'd be like, <laughs> oh, dope, dope, okay, I'll take the shot. That's not the maybe some people are are in that category, but I think most people that are not taking it have thought about it and they don't want it and they're not going to be bribed by a beer. Their, their, their assumption that these people are uninformed and stupid is wrong. Um, I'm in that category partly because they pushed this vaccine, but partly because the more or jab shot, partly because the more they push it, the more now I'm starting to do research and now I'm realizing what I don't know about it and that I need to do more research. And now like now I want more information. If they really wanted to convince people like me, instead of having stories on NPR about hot dogs and beer being used as an incentive, they would have debates or yes. like actual discussions with that here's here's the doctors that think that there's a risk too high. Here's the ones that don't think there's risk. They would they would painstakingly try and explain to me in layman's terms what the risks are, why those are the risks, what the mechanism that they're using behind that. I mean, basically all they really say in the mainstream is it's messenger RNA. Okay, most people don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, they could they could go into a little bit of detail about what that is. I mean, I've I've read it since, so I know. But they would go into detail about what that is. They would have someone who would would talk about the risks and say, well, yeah, here's what. But here's why we don't. And maybe there'd be a counterpoint. Here's why we're not worried about those risk, risks for A, B, and C reasons, and blah blah blah. They would have the discussion. That's what will convince that holdout. The majority of those holdouts, and, and they're instead, not going to do that. They're doing the opposite. They dinged right. Brett Weinstein for having on the virologist, the, the the video. I still haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it. But you know, the doctors who have any who who are who are any doctor who's not walking in lockstep, who's who's asking questions and 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 admitting that there are unknowns and are trying to explain what some of the risks might be, they're banning those people. They're trying to make right. sure you don't watch those people. They're censoring those doctors. So so they're doing the exact opposite of what would make me feel comfortable. In fact, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Like you said before, that you're not even no, allowed to have the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, they could be selling me water, but if they were forcing me to drink it, I would be like, I don't need no fucking water. Yeah. Like, like what are you? I'm not drinking your water. Right. Like, why are you making me drink water? Why are you saying like, there's no risk of drowning ever. There's never a problem. Yeah. There's never been any bad substances in water. Water is always completely clean. Drink our water. Like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> calm the hell down. I know I need water, but 
your over-the-top, myopic, and completely whitewashed advertising for this makes me not trust it. That's what makes me not trust it. By the way, okay. I have heard some great things about Weinstein. The Weinsteins have had some good discussions uh, about this, and they've had some interesting doctors on. I haven't had a chance to watch those, but... I'm sending you, this is what they're doing instead, okay? Can we put up this tweet? Um, did you see this thing from from now this, and it aired on Jimmy Kimmel? And uh, Beverly, they, this thing up. I'm gonna look right here. <laughs> they got a bunch of healthcare workers who obviously 100% agree with the narrative. They got them together to do a, of a funny, a funny, just a funny PSA. And here's the quote from it. Grow the F up and get the vaccine, end quote. These healthcare workers. <laughs> That'll yeah. convince me. Yeah. Your arrogant condescension is is what's going to work. Your propaganda is what's going to work, right? Um, these healthcare workers shared their honest thoughts about anti-vaxxers in this hilarious PSA on Jimmy Kimmel Live. So he, I want to just get to this one part. We don't have to listen to them. Um, because I don't know if we'll get flagged for sharing this. Is it copy copyright yeah, it, or something? By the way, we already know what they're saying. There, they've there's a captions below, and arrogant condescension is all you need to know about it. Okay, here's where they get really rude. Um, they're explaining everything they know about the human body. I know because I've studied human biology. Did you know the human body has 205? Did you? No, it's moving too fast. He said I know the human this. body has 205 bones. No, you're wrong. Okay. It's 206. Yeah. You didn't. Sounds you don't like know that. Right. Okay. So then they get into this part. I can't tell how far Beverly's in it, but I'm just going to read it. You can pause that video. I'm just going to read it. Here's where they start mocking and condescending. They, My life is spent trying to improve and save yours. And then this doctor goes, oh, but you read something on Facebook? Your friend? from high school who sells jewelry. She posted it. The one who's 53 and still builds doll houses. Okay. So they're making fun of, I Oh, see. you read how something to build right. doll houses for a living. Yeah. Right. Or then how, they how, say, how, how, uh, yeah, okay. she posted it. Is she a doctor? No. Then she goes, this other doctor goes, you heard it on whose podcast. <laughs> There's Unsafe a dig. space. That's where you heard it. Yeah, that's a dig at that's a dig at Joe Rogan or any podcaster actually, any alternative media. You this is this is the legacy media and the cathedral and the elite trying to take a dig at any alternative media. You heard it on whose podcast? Can he name when you're of the watching this on Jimmy Kimmel Live? Just to be clear, yeah, just to be clear, you're watching this on a comedian comedy show. show. Yeah, yeah, which isn't funny. An unfunny comedy show is where you're yeah. getting this information. So it goes on and on in the condescension. How about you do your job and I do mine? Grow the F up and get the get the vaccine and tell your friend on Facebook to stick to jewelry. Uh, brought to you by wow. people who are smarter than we are. They, you know they wanted to say than you are, but they said than we are. Um, yeah. They This condescension is, I mean, 
it's kind of funny to me because they're so tone deaf. They're so tone deaf. Yeah. You know, I know I used to work with comedy writers and late night shows, you know, that they're sitting around in a room. They're all in an echo chamber. They're super ignorant. They don't know anyone who has a different opinion than they do. I know these people. I used to be one of them. Their, of their online echo chamber is, is, it is like a cult. They don't know anyone with a different opinion. And at the same time, they have, uh, this grandiose arrogance and sense of uh, their own superior intelligence. And they look down. That's what they think. They look down on anyone who's vaccine hesitant, who wants to wait and actually read longitudinal studies. By the way, these people may, writing this, these comedians, these comedians in the writer's room, they've never read any studies. They've never watched any of the doctors who are talking about possible risks. They are not inquisitive, bright people. <laughs> or if they are, the they way, shut that part of themselves off. And, yeah, then they, and there are doctors yeah. who can say all those same things who disagree with you. Who like, disagree with you. Exactly. But I'm talking about the people who conceive of this. It blows oh, my right, mind. They yeah. conceive of this because they're, it drips with the condescension that they have because they have this imaginary other in their mind because they don't know anyone who disagrees with them. So it's in their mind, it's this, like you said, it's everyone else is Homer Simpson. If, if we just give them donuts and beer, maybe they'll take the vaccine. Right. These stupid anti-vaxxers are so right. stupid. Why don't we do Why don't we do this funny PSA mocking them? That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> Tone deaf. And by the way, who would go to a doctor that felt like that about them? No one. No, I, and, yeah. And, I, can, and I just, can I say something about doctors too? Because someone- They're specialized, by yeah. the way. Most of them don't know. Yeah, like- <laughs> Yeah, doc, A, doc, thank you. Doctors are specialized. They couldn't explain to you exactly how the spike proteins work and how the vaccines work and exactly what the risks are. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Also, I just this is just a, a pet peeve of mine, and it's it's happened with the COVID thing in particular. This putting doctors up on a pedestal as if they're smart. Now, look, I'm not claiming to be Einstein. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but... I have a degree in electrical engineering with a concentration in device physics. And I went to, after that, an Ivy League school for graduate work in electrical engineering. I was a cryptographer for 10 years. I, I'm not an idiot. I've spoken to a lot of doctors who are idiots. Some people go to Chico State and get a C. Some doctor was the lowest in his class, he graduated last. There's a doctor somewhere out there who went to the crappiest medical school and graduated last. They are not smarter than you. Some of them I'm sure are, but not all of them. The idea that because they're a doctor, they're somehow smart because they wear a lab coat and they went, they have a medical degree. So what? So you, you memorized some Latin and some names of organic compounds and you got specialized in some particular thing. I'm glad you're there. I appreciate doctors. You do have a specialty that's extremely important and I think should be valued. But the idea that what you what you do and or that what you recommend is is, is unworthy of questioning. I mean, I I don't even go to a dentist that won't answer my questions in detail when I want. Right. I mean, I chose my dentist because she answers. She'll talk to me for an hour about the, the kind of chemicals that they're using for a crown. If I want, she'll talk about all of it and 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 justify and and, and you know, give me reasons. If I say I don't want to do something, I'm sure she would be fine with it. She's not condescending. She recognizes that I'm a human like hers. It's my body. I'm making a choice. And she needs to make an argument that will convince me, not just bully me by saying, look at my medical degree on the wall. That's not how this works. 
That's how that's how veterinarians behave with their patients, not how doctors behave with their patients, assholes. Yeah. I would never visit. I don't know what these individual doctors' uh, specialties are, but I would if I recognize my doctor in this, I would there's no way I would visit one of these people. Condescending, arrogant, and then, and then I know they probably think it's okay because we well, it's just supposed to be funny, but it, no, no, it's not funny. And Jimmy Kimmel's never supposed to be funny. It's just never funny. I don't. Um, little ragamuffin said, "I bet you a nurse could explain it better than a doctor," and I had to laugh at that inside really? because I've had several nurses talk to me about how because doctors are so specialized in whatever their area of expertise is that the nurse has a lot more broad general knowledge a lot of the time, depending. I'm not making, I'm just saying Right. this, this is what nurses have told me. Um, and then imaginary person, this is not a super chat, but imaginary person said in response to that part of the video where the, the doctor says, how about you do your job and I do mine. Imaginary person in our chat said, Hey, my job is um, protecting myself and my family, making decisions for myself. And Thank my you person in chat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is your job. And it's, and by the way, the number one requirement is that you use your own judgment. To yes. perform that job that's what you need to do your own judgment your own judgment yeah it's look it is it's obviously it's argument from authority it's at what ad ad hominem vericundium is that it ad vericundium mm -hmm. sorry ad vericundium uh argumentum ad vericundium um it's argument from authority and uh that's not how science works that's not how logic no. works it's not how thinking works it's not how reasoning works reason doesn't work that way um it doesn't it's you don't you don't just listen to the authorities by the way, part of me, I'm going to, this is the dark side. You know how we have dark sides. I'm just going to admit a dark side of my nature. Part of me is like, I hope this vaccine does cause sterilization. In no, like, no, no, no. That's Carter. the dark side. I know, I'm not I know. saying it's good, but I'm like, wouldn't that be the ultimate, like they shot themselves in the foot with this. They mocked everyone. They bullied and like they ended up screwing up the, their lives. And, and the people who stood up against them populate the earth. That's my that's my utopia slash Jessica Hyde slash dark evil nature. I don't actually mean that. I'm sharing with you the feeling. It's okay. This is shadow, your shadow self. Um, that's the phrase, my shadow self. Yeah, your shadow self. If I were people. evil. People are really upset. <laughs> ah! Look, you gotta say, we all have dark thoughts. That's my dark thought. I'm just saying, I don't guess I don't have to say it on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure other people have the dark the. But you don't genuinely yet. wish that. That's the difference between Of course a dark I don't thought. wish that. Yeah. No, of course I don't wish that. That's I have friends who've gotten shots and stuff. Like, I don't, of course I don't wish that. Um, even people I don't like, I don't wish that for. Like, yeah. Um, um, Whitey on the moon, I'm just going to read this because it's on screen, gave us a super chat and said, preach it, brother, okay. the women... The women in my life in particular rely too much on the holy medicine person that pushes more and more medication onto them. Yeah, it's just really ridiculous. It just and and by the way, just like every engineer knows this. So uh, and I've, there's probably more engineers than doctors in our chat. So I'll say this. You go to school, right? You learn, you take all your classes like device physics, power class, semiconductor class, whatever it is, you, your software programming, algorithms, whatever, you take all your classes. And then you go out into the real world and you have a job. And it turns out that if your job even really uses any of that information, which is not always true to start with, but 
If it uses any of that, it uses a small amount and maybe you become an expert in a particular thing. So you might've gone and, and done electrical engineering and I'm just gonna use that because it's the one I know. And you become the guy who really understands um, how to make, uh, I don't know, <laughs> how, to, how, to, how to design um, wafers for chips and how to, how to etch them with, I don't know, whatever it is. You, you do some silicon manufacturing. That becomes your, your domain of expertise, right? Okay, well, 20 years later, if there's a problem with the power grid, you don't get to say, well, I took a power class in college. I'm an electrical engineer, and therefore, let me explain the power grid problem and all of its nuances to you. Like, you haven't been doing that. Like, okay, you should understand it more than most people, and and that's fine, and you should be able to interpret the news and ask the right questions and, and maybe get up to speed on it more quickly. But you don't go on CNN or on Jimmy Kimmel and be like, I'm, I'm an engineer. Therefore, everything that ever had anything to do with engineering, hey, I'm going to tell you about how to build this bridge, even though I took one mechanical engineering class in college. Like, that's not how engineering works, and it's not how anything works. People do become specialized, and these doctors, I, I don't think these are experts in COVID. And, no, they're and like, not. And medicine is, I, I, by the way, of all the specialties, medicine is extremely specialized because human bodies are massively complex. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I, Jeanette W gave a super chat, $20. Thank you, beautiful lady. And she said, the longer they push and make condescending videos, the more resistant I'll be. It's super suspicious. The more desperate they're pushing this, who yes. in their right mind would trust anything the government pushes. I, that, that for me in a nutshell, that Jeanette, that's how I feel about it. It, it has gotten to a creepy level. <laughs> and totally agree. Yeah. And then she gives a follow-up super chat and says, I identify as a medication, just by the way. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? All right, let's read some more. We've got another bat spate of super chats about this topic, so let's just read them. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a Wagster, quick break. Okay. Hitch Wagster says, uh, gives us 20 bucks. Thank you, Hitch. And says, Michaela Peterson and Brett Weinstein have both recently platformed doctors slash scientists that promoted more or less skeptical concerns RE vaccines. Weinstein's guest was especially credible. Also, thanks for all you do. Yeah, I really need to go look in that. And it's one of those things I wasn't paying attention to the shots because I didn't, I'm not getting one. So, but I'm going to start looking into it more. Um, and I will check out Weinstein. Marcus uh, Cato just says, peace. Peace, man. Thank you. Richard Petz says, whenever the majority opinion is challenged, it's not necessarily about the issue at hand, but the fact that anyone dare to question, that scares them. Yes, yes, it's the pitchfork and pitchfork wheeling mob, right, uh, that you have to worry about. It's, it's that you dared question. That's what makes you a witch. What makes you a witch is you don't do the same thing or you question uh, some, quote, truth that's been accepted. Uh, Raging Raptor says, what do you call the person who graduated last in their medical school? Doctor. Nice to see the cathedral installing archbishops of medicine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Super Iron Bob says, can you bend silver into a ring and mount a jewel on it so it doesn't fall off? Can you manufacture intricate details at the scale of a dollhouse? Right. Yeah, the condescension about the dollhouse building is really annoying. Doll dollhouses are toys for kids, and building toys for kids is a completely... Uh, honorable job. Um, and and <laughs> by the way, the bending silver into a ring and mounting jewelry or doing the dollhouse thing, it reminds me of, um, there's, 
I don't think there's anyone in the world who actually can make a pencil. That's how complex things are right now in our modern world. There's no one who knows fully how to make a pencil because it involves uh, mining and manufacturing and like, it's like, the, it's not, it's not easy to do things. There's specialized knowledge. I'm sure making a, a dollhouse requires a lot of skill. Um, and frankly, I would value a dollhouse or a good ring more than the opinion of these doctors. Uh, G-Man says, just got in, wanted to add that I'm completely asexual in between all the times when I'm hypersexual. Will hate crimes be determined by our mood? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Your Honor, but I was feeling hypersexual at the time, so... Uh, all right, Whitney on the Moon says, Preach it, brother. The women in my life, particular oh, carry out of that, rely too much on holy medicine. Okay, uh, Jeanette, she read that one. Another Jeanette one, Carrie read. <clears throat> Let's see, I'll fight you naked. I love that name every time I read it. Says, uh, Carter's dark thought would make the population much more Milgram negative after a few decades. Right? And the Ash Conformity Studies, too. Yeah. If you're going to have pressure, evolutionarily on a population, which you always do. Might as well be good pressure. Uh, Pyrotomsky says, I understand the dark sentiment, but some of us had to take it for medical risk reasons. Right, of course. I mean, like I said, Pyrotomsky, I know friends who took it rationally and it was the right thing to do. And, and there's people who take it. There's plenty of people who are taking it just because they're pressured. They have to, they have jobs. Like I know a teacher who took it who wouldn't have, but in order to return to work, she was required to take it and she wanted to eat. So she took it. Um, there's plenty of reasons why people do it, which is why I don't actually, uh, which is why Shadow Carter is not the right way to go on this. Um, Whitey on the Moon. Uh-oh. Hey, there's Whitey on the Moon. Whitey on the Moon says, the Lalbertarians' true genocidal colors are revealed. LOL. Oh, am I a Lalbertarian? Yes, because I blatantly admit when I'm feeling dark about something and then say that I don't actually want to do that, those are my true colors. By the way, anyone who, anyone who takes issue with that uh, is pretending that they don't ever have a dark side. And anyone who claims they don't have a dark side, watch out for those people. Uh, everyone has a dark side. It's what you do. Um, and this is the difference, by the way, between, I think, um, some ver some religions. There's religions who condemn you for thinking something, and then there's religions who condemn you only for doing it. Um, and I think there's a huge difference between those two things. Uh, Liberty Solution says, I'm not vaccine hesitant. I'm non-compliant refuser. That does not surprise me, Keith. And finally, last but not least, Finest City Cycling says, I'm deeply skeptical of medical professionals who work for bureaucracies or are themselves bureaucrats, little to no skin in the game. Sure, that's the other thing that we do this with. Um, we do this with uh, scientists as well, especially with climate change. Um, we call people who have degrees, but aren't actually doing the thing. Instead, they're some part of some bureaucracy. We call them scientists or we call them doctors. And it's true, like, yes, uh, they're doctors, uh, but it doesn't make their, their, your status in a bureaucracy and their, you know, career of a successful healthcare administration does not make them uh, experts. So theoretically, they're listening to other experts, but uh, it's totally rational to be skeptical of all that. 
All right, Gary is back. I think we're through super chats. Well, well, thank you. I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about that CNN piece, and then that went so nicely with the very arrogant, condescending doctor video from Jimmy Kimmel. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> wow. Totally. Um, yeah. Oh, and I then I, I need a break after that. Yeah, it's. I it's laughed. A, I got. I I got genocidal. I did everything. On today's <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm doing a great reset of my own body and I am doing a juice cleanse and uh, I don't have a lot of energy right now. <laughs> oh, you know what, Carrie? It's what? funny. I'm I'm uh, I'm not doing a juice cleanse, but I similarly I went the mistake of. Well, maybe it wasn't a mistake. It was a mistake to not do it earlier. I hopped on the scale and realized like. I got like sympathetic pregnancy weight going on. I haven't been paying attention to my weight. Like, whoa. So I'm also doing like a cleanse, so to speak. Uh, I'm doing like, I wasn't, I would, I got away from full carnivore. I'm just going to full carnivore. Um, so Sun King says I'm doing a steak cleanse. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. Steak and water. Steak I don't have cleanse. my mate today. I just have my water. Uh, so. <sighs> okay. There's one other thing I want to talk about a little bit. Okay. If you don't have anything that's that's important, um, please. I, I know you don't have a lot of energy. I'm sorry if it makes your eyes glaze over. It's my fault. <laughs> I'll accept the fault because of the topic. Is this about but, money? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's about jobs because there was a jobs report that came out. Oh, no. I'm very interested in this, actually. Let me tell you one other thing, just anecdotally, because okay. we talked about this I've been asking every every business I go to, because I'm just curious, are you guys short-staffed? Are you having trouble finding help? It's mm. everywhere. It's everywhere. There's a clothing store I was talking to, like a boutique kind of a cool place. I mean, a very cool place to work. And they usually have a staff of 15. They're down to five. Their buyers yeah. are having to do customer service because they can't get enough customer service people in. Or a lot of the applications they're getting are not real. People are applying just so they can tell the unemployment office, yes, I did my mandated <laughs> applications this week. And so they're not actually coming in for interviews. They're just submitting the application and then they don't really want the job. They want to stay on unemployment. And I don't know if you saw, but Biden was asked in a press conference do you think the unemployment is creating a disincentive for people to return to work? And he simply said, no. <laughs> right. Okay. It, that's one of the, like, it's sometimes surprising how, like, they can be just so blatantly illogical and non sequitur or stupid and just no one calls it. No. And, and all Should, kinds of. Can you of elaborate on that? Yeah, can you elaborate? All kinds of businesses too, because um, in having this conversation the past couple of days, it, you know, we were talking about a clothing store. Um, a friend went to pick up some like large rocks for the garden, like these, uh, and and they don't have enough. The owner was having to help him load his car with the rocks, and was saying, "Yeah, we just can't hire anyone. We can't anyone in here to work." means every kind of business is the restaurants I'm going to. You guys start doing this. Just ask people and see. And not all of them, but most of them are saying, yeah, we can't. We're having a real problem getting people to apply. Well, we've seen articles about this too, right? And actually the numbers indicate that that's true because um, one of the numbers that came out, one of the measurements was um, 
the average hour earn, hourly earnings, which were expected to stay the same, but actually did increase by 0.7% month over month, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's only in a month. And so that kind of indicates that employers are having to pay more, um, probably because uh, there's just not as many qualified people looking for stuff or people doing what you're talking about, Carrie, where they're throwing their resume out or, yeah, or listen putting to a job application when they don't, they don't intend to do anything about it. This is Fault Zone G. It's not a super chat, but mm -hmm. Fault Zone G, who's a member, thank you, says uh, some restaurants can't open seating because they're so short staffed. And we've been open since last summer. It's the unemployment 100% and it will lead to disaster. I just wanted to read that. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't yeah. mean to... Well, what, no, tell no, me what you want to talk no. about. I figured it was this. It's related to this. It's the it primary, yes, yeah, the jobs report. And I just want to say at the outset, uh, you know, I don't, we don't normally have to pay attention to stuff like the jobs report. And I don't even like the measures that a lot of the economists use to measure the health of the economy. Like GDP is probably the worst possible thing to measure, for example. Um, jobs, I, I guess, are better than GDP. So let's talk about jobs. Um, it's important first to realize that this is probably the biggest uh, like downward miss for forecasting maybe ever. It's one of the huge, it's, it's enormous that like the, the estimate compared to how far below the estimate we were. Um, so the estimate was pretty optimistic. At the low end, we expected about 755,000 jobs. Some people at the high end were saying 2.1 million. I think there was consensus somewhere around a million jobs were expected in in April. Um, and uh, and the last time there was a job report, we had we were told that we had 916,000 jobs that were added in March, the previous month. So we, we had 916,000, we were expecting another million. Well, two things happened. One, that 916,000 was downwardly revised. They said, oh, we were wrong. It was 770,000 in March. So that's 146,000 worse than we thought. And we only gained, instead of a million, or up to 2.1 million, we only gained 266,000 jobs. It is a colossal miss. It's really bad. Unemployment was, uh, Unemployment was expected to go down uh, a couple tenths of a percentage point, um, anywhere between, it was at 6%. They expected it to drop to between 5.2 and 5.9%. Most estimates were around 5.8. It went up, unemployment rose to 6.1%. Um, now the articles will whitewash this and they'll say, well, more people entered the labor force. That's true. Um, the labor force participation was 61.5% in March. By the way, that's, can you think, imagine that? 61.5%, anyway, in March, the expectation was that it would increase to 61.6, but it increased to 61.7. So, okay, more people entered the labor force than they thought, but they were already anticipating people living, uh, entering the labor force. Um, so this is like, this is a huge miss. If you look at the private sector, just the private sector, well, let's pause there for a second. <laughs> Private sector jobs are the only ones that should matter. Um, in fact, I've made this argument before. I think publicly funded jobs should be subtracted from the job numbers because you don't get to have a publicly funded job without taking that resource away from the private sector. That's where it comes from. So 
Uh, but private sector jobs, they expected $893,000 93, jobs. Actually, it was 218000 um, and their March number was dis- was also revised down from eight hundred or seven hundred and eighty to seven hundred and eight. Um, so, just a note on this: of the two hundred sixty-six thousand jobs that were added in April, the part of what the government does is they have this thing called the birth birth deaths um, estimate. This is birth and death of companies. They kind of estimate. Well, we think about this many companies are going to be created, and that will lead to this many jobs in that month. They have no, it's like a, they have no, they have, it's just a guess. It's just a swag. They have no reason to believe that's true. Um, They assumed that 298,000 jobs were created by new businesses in April. Now, that's more than were actually created in total, which means if their assumption is correct, which is based on nothing, so it's probably wrong anyway, uh, we actually lost 32,000 jobs in the other, it's, the stu- it's kind of ridiculous. Manufacturing was expected to add another 55,000. The whole range for forecasts were between 36 and 85,000. Manufacturing lost 18,000 jobs in April. Um, and so the response to this, as you've pointed out, Biden says, hey, people ask obvious questions. Hey, maybe when we pay people to not work, does that have an impact on them wanting to work? No. Okay. What's your response, Biden? Well, my response is to spend another $2.3 trillion on infrastructure, plus another $1.8 trillion on the American Families Plan so we can raise your children for you. That's his response. Carter, things are going to get ugly. Yeah, look, I I mean. Things are going to get bad. They have to. The dollar fell, obviously, um, on all this. But you can't. When you print money and hand it out to people and they go to the store and buy stuff, uh, <laughs> that's not prosperity. That's not prosperity. If I, if you came over to my house and said, we're going to have dinner, I'm going to make dinner. And I've printed pictures of food and I'm going to stick it on the plate. And when we're done with our conversation, you're going to throw the plate in the garbage. We didn't eat anything. Nothing happened. There was no food. Printing money, like it doesn't, I know that you can take that printed money and go buy a real thing and that feels like like prosperity, but prosperity fundamentally, and for something to be prosperous, other, like you need to have produced something, like physically made the world a better place as measured by other people. So you you make their lives better. That's what prosperity is, according to them. So, you know, you could be prosperous by selling, you know, heroin, and they think that makes their lives better. It actually makes them worse, but by by your customer's judgment, you've made their lives better. That's why they buy the heroin. That's why right? they buy so, um, you prosperity is is productive activity. If you want to measure how prosperous an economy is or how prosperous a country is, you need to measure the productive activity. You don't measure. <laughs> How many printed dollars exchanged hands? Like that's not a that's not a measurement of anything. Even even spending, if they're not printed, isn't a measurement of anything other than spending. But as we've said before, when you don't spend a dollar, it sits in the bank, and that then because of fractional reserve banking, it gets lent out at more than a dollar, and that's used to do productive things like start businesses, 
like savings are important for an economy, but this this ridiculous, I would say Keynesian, but I think it's more modern monetary theory at this point now, of like, we're just gonna crank up the printing press, we're gonna measure health by things like GDP, and then we're gonna pay people not to work and wonder why people don't have jobs, or they're not, they're not wanting to go back into the workforce. Or, I'm sorry, we're not even gonna wonder that. We're just gonna say, that's not the reason. Um, <laughs> we know it's not that. It, it's it's obvious. This really is clown world. This is literally clown world. I don't know a better way to describe. You look at this. You look at these people who are economists that are in charge of this thing that no one should be in charge of, uh, and they make these re most ridiculous statements. And look, I, <laughs> the Chinese yuan is up very very strong against the dollar. I don't think they're trying to be the new reserve currency, but. We are shipping dollars. You know where those manufacturing jars, jobs are? Because someone's manufacturing shit that you're buying. Guess where they're manufacturing it? Yeah. Not here. They're manufacturing it elsewhere. We're taking printed dollars and sending them in, you know, I shipping was in containers a... full of printed dollars overseas and getting stuff back. And eventually, and they're starting to talk about it now overseas, like, those IOUs from the US, those little dumb pieces of paper that says this is a Federal Reserve note and trust me, there's something good behind this. There's nothing That's there. gonna be worthless at some point <laughs> and they're gonna be like, why are we shipping real goods over to the US in exchange for this crappy piece of paper? Yeah. Which they have clearly indicated they will print as much of as they want as long as we give them goods. So they're just gonna keep printing this thing. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. I like. I was in a shop it's here so in Texas dumb. yesterday and they were selling um, supposedly it was like Western wear, like Texas, you know, country, oh, yep. Texas wear. Okay. And all the clothing labels are made in China. And I just thought, <laughs> why you're selling me? I'm in Texas. You're selling me Texas clothing with, you know, the style of Western clothes and pearl snap buttons and stuff. And you can't even get them here. <laughs> well, of course not, because we have an entitled population who's overpaid for doing things like that. And we don't want those jobs here. We tax the hell out of our businesses. We make it very difficult and we don't have real money. We can run a printing press and get them basically, hey, we can print a bunch of dollars and get crap from China. So why would we work to build this stuff ourselves? Like, of course it's overseas. Of course it comes from China and overseas. Of course it does. If you had a real dollar, like if you had an actual real dollar that was really backed by gold or something, and you had an environment that was conducive to business in the US, not like you didn't have Janet Yellen running around saying, hey world, let's make sure we have a minimum business tax because we really like taxing and other places don't. We wanna make sure our businesses can't run to your places. Let's have a minimum business tax. Like if, if you didn't have that kind of crap going on, maybe you would have more manufacturing here or maybe not, but it wouldn't matter. You would have other stuff here and things would be working out. Like the, the idea that like, <laughs> I. You can't, I mean, the idea that it, that it is, that, that the activities the government takes to undermine the currency and make it hard for businesses are somehow unrelated to the economic prosperity that we feel in our standard of living is ridiculous. I want to read this super chat that's on the screen. Whitey on the moon says, Stopping unemployment subsidies while low-key supporting an open global labor pool is a losing political position, which is why the GOP takes it. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Look, I, you, I, I, you guys are funny. Yeah, <laughs> By the way, I want to be clear. I support an open global labor pool. I think that's fine. But to do that, you need you need real currency and you need to cut off. You need real currency in the U.S. You need to cut off government subsidies for everything and uh, and get and get out of the way of business. Um, there was a third thing that I forgot what it was, but whatever. Like you, you need to set up an environment where businesses want to be here. Look, there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of smart talent here. There's a lot of innovation here, or there was. There's certainly uh, a population that could produce awesome things and be great. Like it's fine if 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 China is better at making garments because they can do it cheaper, and we can spend time making something else that's actually more difficult and interesting. Like. That's fine. We don't have to make everything here. We can trade with other people, but it's got to be real trade. We have to have real currency. We have to like actually have business here. We can't just be printing crap and paying people uh, and, and making it as hard as possible to start a business and run a business here. We can't do that. We've got to, the government's got to get out, get back to something that's a gold-backed currency or a com like a commodity-backed currency where there's real value and it can't deflate stop taxing and regulating the hell out of its own businesses and stop subsidizing non-work stop measuring gdp as an example as as a thing right okay i'm gonna read some super chats relating to this b allen says inflation leads to higher interest rates which means the government has to pay much more on the massive debt yeah well It should, yeah. Um, the, the government's debt is, I mean, government debt is runaway. We can't, I've never heard a valid argument for this, so maybe someone can try and make one, but there's no way we're ever going to pay our debt off at this point. I don't, I, we can't possibly pay our debt off. There's no way. It's 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 too big uh, with interest. I mean, we, we just, it's done. There's no way. So if the U.S. wants to do this, uh, th there's basically two outcomes. Either the U.S. falls apart because they, uh, either declare insolvency or go bankrupt in some way or whatever. Like either the U.S. falls apart or uh, they go back to the immoral uh, days of the Middle Ages or before then where they just go invade someone and steal their stuff. Like those are the options, guys. Like, you know, you can whine about oil wars in the Middle East all you want, but, uh, you know, and, and I don't think it's moral and I don't think we should do it, but... You know, we're at a point now where you declare bankruptcy or you go steal someone's stuff. I think declaring bankruptcy would be better and it would be a reset and it would be more moral. But we can't pay this crap off. If we were honest, we would tell the rest of the world, guys, we default. The dollar would, would be destroyed and alternate currency would have to, like, there would need to be some alternate currency. Bitcoin would do well. Um, <laughs> the dollar would be absolutely destroyed and we would start using Canadian dollars or something else. Or would, probably not Canadian dollars. No. Something pegged to some commodity or something. And like, that would be it. We'd have, you gotta take your lumps. You get like, at some point your cocaine party has to end. So like, just end it. So uh, somebody asked about alternative currency. Let me get to these. Liberty Solutions gave us a super chat and said, disagree with subtracting one from each government job from the total job count. Need to subtract, subtract two times government jobs <laughs> as, as each government job must be paid by a private sector job. Yeah, you're right. Actually, Keith, I've thought about this. You need to you need to actually subtract probably three, because for every government job you lose a private sector job at least, 
right? Then you're paying the government job, but usually there's at least 50% overhead. Like it costs money to move the money from one pocket to another in a very inefficient way. It's probably three. You could probably delete three private sector jobs for one government job. <laughs> Raging Raptor uh, says opinion on crypto or another currency supplanting the dollar. Well, I have high hopes. I'm not, high, I wouldn't say high hopes, but I, I think that crypto could become, could supplant the U.S. dollar. I don't know. I am not a money person. Anybody who watches this show knows that. Do not take financial advice from me. People I trust have given me advice. And so I'm basing this on um, uh, people I respect and for good reason. And I don't know what's going to happen with it. Could it be a balloon? Like we, we talked to, who's the guy that we interviewed who's always saying it's a balloon? We had him on the show. Peter Schiff. Could it be a balloon? Yeah. But at this point, I see a lot of people moving there. And I think for good reason, because the dollar seems like it's on a fast decline. Um, I'll let Carter speak more to that. We're not financial advisors. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't take any of our advice financially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say... Um, Crypto is a bubble. How do I say it? There's, there's nothing backing crypto, but there's less backing fiat currency. Like yes, it's the, there you go. It's there the, you go. It's the better of two crappy options, right? Like, yeah, okay, it's true. Crypto is not backed by gold. It's arbitrary to some extent. Yes, there's a limited number of Bitcoin, but there's infinite number of alternate currencies, as we just saw. Dogecoin can, I mean, which is literally a joke. It was literally created as a joke, like joke coins can suddenly move around. Like there's an infinite supply of cryptocurrency um, because anyone can start a new cryptocurrency, but there's not an infinite supply of particular cryptocurrency. And, right. like Bitcoin. and there is an infinite supply of fiat currency and people have the power to print it on demand all the time, which you can't do with Bitcoin. So uh, I'm not, I don't, I do agree with Peter Schiff that Ultimately, you really need something that's actually backed by a real commodity, like something or that that's like a, a real thing that can't be, you know, you can only mine gold at a certain rate and then eventually, and there's a finite amount of gold on the earth. And like, I guess in, if, if a gold asteroid came by, pure gold, maybe it would change <laughs> the economy a little bit, but like something that's useful, that has a use and has limited supply and like there's other criteria for money traditionally those are good things to care about in money but we have literally nothing about those with fiat fiat currency is the worst so can you criticize bitcoin yeah absolutely but everything you could possibly say bad about bitcoin you can say more than that bad about fiat currency so uh, i don't know what i don't know whether that makes me bearish or bullish on bitcoin but i do have some bitcoin uh yeah just leave it at that. Um, Rebecca, the pirate queen says, did you see that hackers ransomware the East Coast pipeline? Yes. Why isn't that infrastructure in the infrastructure bill? Oh, I don't know. I haven't read the infrastructure bill. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I guess it's not. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see more of that stuff. Um, future wars are probably going to be there's a lot more. We're, we're a lot more fragile electronically than we 
like to pretend. Um, so, yeah, it's a big deal. Somebody um, says, this is not a super chat, but somebody says it's too late to get in on Bitcoin. Uh, I disagree. That's just me. But people said that. Be. People said that when I got in on it. People said that. They've been saying that the whole time. They say it yeah, every day. It might be. Yeah. I mean, look, I sold, I remember I sold, uh, I'm going to have to go look up at the price of what this is now. Years ago, I sold Berkshire Hathaway A shares uh, because they hit uh, $80,000 a share. And I was like, this is ridiculous. They'll never go higher. Today, they are at $441,000 a share. So, hey, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, they could have gone higher than $80,000 a share. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I can't see any more of the super chat, so I'm gonna let you read them. <clears throat> okay. Um, Chana Abson says nothing, but gives us super chat. Thank you. The gay rascal says doctors are omniscient and infallible. Also, they have malpractice insurance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The gay rascal. <laughs> uh, Slimer Snarf or Slimmer Snarf? I think it's Slimer. It looks like a Slimer. Slimer, a 1M. Slimer Snarf says, found Carrie on Friday Night Tights of all places and eventually led me here. Became a wrong thinker member today. Hey, welcome. Thank you, Slimer Snarf. Hi, welcome. Uh, keep up the great work, guys. I love those Friday Night Tights, guys. That's good fun. fun. Yeah, it's good fun. Uh, for all those, uh, Richard Petz says, for all those interested, check out the Mises Wire podcast. Comes out almost daily, and each episode runs just seven to ten minutes. Great daily tonic. I haven't actually listened to that. That sounds interesting. I'm totally going to do that. Thank you, Richard. It's a great suggestion. Super Iron Bob says much of overseeing manufacturing is regulation arbitrage, similar to how uh, gain of function was banned in the U.S. So funded in Wuhan. Yeah, oddly enough. I don't think people realize how much regulation is, um, sorry, yeah, how, yes. I don't think people realize how much regulation is taken into effect by companies. Um, there is a lot of regulation arbitrage going on. Um, so, okay. Uh, on K says, are you smarter than most people? Uh, I'm gonna speak for both of us, yes. And And that's not, I'm not, that's not a brag. I mean, the average IQ in the US is 100. I think if you <laughs> went, went to college and did decently well, you're smarter than most people. That doesn't make you a genius, but like, that's not saying much. Smarter than most people this. is not a brag. I'm smart enough huh? to know when I'm in the room with someone smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm often in the room with people smarter than me. Yes, so, yeah. and, I, and I am often in the room. And I, and I say that because a lot of those, you know, the, the people on Twitter, they call midwits. Those people think they're so effing smart. They have no idea. And it's funny to watch them interact because you're like, dude, you don't even realize that person you're talking to could school you. It, like, they don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. On K also ask a question. Are you two together? <laughs> if not, why not? Well, I'm no, I'm in. I'm in. We're Texas. together right here. Side <laughs> by side. Carter is in <laughs> California. Welcome to Unsafe Space. I don't think I've seen you before. Your questions are funny. Um, we're not together because Carter can't move out of California yet. Is that the reason? Because my wife will be really pissed off if that's the reason we're not together. What do they mean by together? I thought they meant in the same room. Oh. 
I don't know. I, although, I thought they I, meant romantically. Oh, no, we're not. Um, I, I have, although I have no guarantee that if you, when you are, a, when you guys are able to move that we would, we'd probably still keep doing unsafe space separately because I have no guarantee that you want to move to my small puna podunk town. Yeah. But if I, like, if we moved near each other, if we moved near enough, I would totally want to get a studio and do it like in this, like I would drive in and like, and do it. Cause I think it would be much better. Um, Somebody said Lucha says get yeah sorry go ahead they're asexually together <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they pull up that list again I'll tell you what kind of relationship we have it's something in there um, <laughs> gross <laughs> anyway uh, says no I meant romantically no yeah well I'm married happily by the way and uh, none of my be... comments early about marital sex were they were meant as jokes um, so if you're gonna you should what? you should have a happy sexual relationship in your marriage um but yes uh, i'm married carrie is about to get married um also yeah. i think we would murder each other uh, oh yeah within i i give us a week of living together <laughs> you guys <laughs> before blood would be somewhere someone would have blood on their hands and the sheriff would be there and that would be the end uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Johnny Boy uh, Quick right. Draw says in the in the post apocalypse, toilet paper will be the new currency. It has real world value and can be used in small transactions. One square two. I've been thinking about this actually. I think you're right. You know what else has real value? Bullets. Um, yeah, you know what I was thinking though, Johnny is um. I hear me out on this. At some point, toilet paper may become more expensive than the dollar. At which point. The dollar will overtake toilet paper as a currency again. Think about that. All right. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, do you want to do the, the next super chat? Uh, Chiana. Oh, I think I know you. Abs anyway, uh, she says, sending a super chat to celebrate my 30-day ban on Facebook for, quote, hate speech. For criticizing the public school system. Wow. Well, <laughs> thank you for the super chat. Look, we've gotten so inured to this, haven't we? It's everyone. Everyone gets these 30-day bans, and we're just getting so used to it. But, you know, I just saw a, a insomnia chick on Twitter today said she just got to pass off her Twitter ban. Like, everyone. And, and how many people, think about how many people you don't hear from anymore who just disappeared, who got permanently right, banned. You can't hear from them because... Yeah. Gone. And you yeah. didn't. And and then you're like, you know what? I haven't heard. I was thinking about that the other day. I haven't heard so-and-so post in a while. And then I went to their, couldn't find their profile gone. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Anyway, yeah. welcome back uh, or no celebrate. This is the beginning of your 30 day ban. Okay. Well come celebrate with, with us again when you're off it. <laughs> <laughs> if you get off of it, because Trump, I don't know if you saw Trump, Trump's ban was Facebook decided that they, they wanted to, pretend that they had mo no yeah. moral authority to do anything. So they appointed people. So basically, it's still Facebook's decision. They appointed people that are now independent, because after they were appointed, then they're independent. But of course, they were appointed based on ideological oh alignment. So whoop-de-doo. Uh, they appointed a board and they, that upheld Trump's Facebook ban, but then said, but you should consider whether it should be permanent or not. And they just kicked the question back to Facebook. But they do, Facebook is now using their 
their board, their their special board, in an attempt to show. This is just, by the way, this is just uh, this is the, the a thing that cowards do. This is the thing. Mark Zuckerberg is just a coward, right? Because he doesn't want to say yes, I have a particular political agenda, and yeah. that's what we're going to do, or no, I have a, I'm going to do free speech, and I'm not going like. He doesn't want to say either one of those things. He wants to be a pussy about it. So he's like, I I have an independent board that we chose based on ideological alignment and we're not in down there independent from us. So it's not my fault. He just wants to get off the hook. He doesn't want the blame. That's all this is about. It's a blame game. It's so it's so pathetic. What a pathetic individual. It's like a show trial. And it's, they already know the out they already know the outcome. We're gonna decide if it was okay for us to ban Trump. Okay, we decided it was <laughs> like. Well, I, it's it's just the whole the whole idea. Yeah, the the whole idea is ridiculous. That like <laughs> that you want to escape blame for what happens on your platform, so you're going to set up a a trust. It's just, I it's mean, so if you want to escape blame, I'll tell you how to escape blame, Zuckerberg. Set up a trust with uh, <laughs> that requires unanimous agreement on banning and make the trust consist of Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, some radical leftist, you want Ibram X. Kendi, um, mm. <laughs> and like throw those people in the mix and make them agree unanimously to ban someone. That, that is a way That's that a you cute. can say, I'm not involved in this anymore. I clearly chose people who ideologically are on every, you know, throw Alex Jones in there too. Whatever. Yeah. Throw the the out the outliers on all sides. Throw them in, and give and make unanimous agreement. <laughs> Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, excellent. I and and says, let me see what the manager says. He says no. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> let us see if it was okay for us to ban Trump. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. We saw the people I gave three hundred something million dollars to in a trust say yes. It was. <laughs> they say I was right. What do you know? Um, yeah. Okay, I think we are. We're done. Are we done with super chats? We did as many as we could. On K is see. still. On K says something else. I don't understand. That guy looks like Cal L. Lewis just deciding. I don't know what that means, but thank you for the super chat. And is Cal L the the Superman's dad? Because I'm gonna go for that. I'll look yeah. like. I would like to look like Cal L. Superman's dad. Okay. Um. Yeah, that is, I think that's who that is. Um, oh, wait, here's another. Historically, Super Iron Bob, did you read that? I didn't. Oh, Go ahead. oh you, um, historically, when the value currency is overtaken by toilet paper, it causes plumbing problems as people use it for non-monetary purposes. <laughs> Got to know your history or else you'll run into these. These are the important questions to ask about the apocalypse. Um, it's pretty funny. Be wary. Be wary. Uh, all right. I do. Ammo is great. Uh, you know what I really want to do if I move out of California? And I'm dead serious about this. Uh, so think about this, audience members. If you want to just do it without me, because I'm still stuck in California, go do it. It's worth it's worth starting an ammo manufacturing company just to be able to supply ourselves. We, sell, we can sell to other people, but like owning an ammo manufacturing company, probably lots of regulation and, and horrible to do as a business and not fun. Totally worth doing. It's totally so worth doing. also, uh, speaking of ammo, I've heard people call themselves ammo sexual as a joke. 
But now that we started <laughs> today with that article and allo, allosexuals. <laughs> allosexual. Uh, I'm going to start calling myself amosexual. I think that's an excellent idea. I will join you. We can be both amosexual. Uh, all right, that's a good note to end it on. Thank you all yeah. for watching. Um, don't forget, Book Club is on the 30th. It is the Jordan Peterson book, Beyond Order. That's the next one. After that, it's Catch-22. Um, don't forget to go to unsafespace.com. And... Uh, we have new episodes out of The Great Reset. And also, this week, we're releasing an interview I got to do with someone who works in public education here in Texas. And When's that it is... You know? I believe it's coming out tomorrow. Um, okay. It is an amazing interview because this guy, I love this dude. This dude, he not only can articulate for normies, like what the problem is with the, with this, with social justice ideology, he has a way out. He's developed like a way out. I'm, I'm ready to start talking about oh, cool. what are the solutions and he oh, does cool. that. And so I really recommend this interview, especially if you're someone who is, battling CRT at your school, um, you know, or at the state level or something. If you're a parent, if you work in the schools, definitely watch this interview tomorrow. Uh, his name's Jason. He, and like I said, he works in, in public education in Texas. And I, I think this is, I think this is a, a very important talk that we had. So it's coming out soon. Sounds exciting. All right. Well, on that note, um, we will see all of you guys. Uh, on the channel tomorrow for the premiere of that episode and then later in the week probably before then we'll do something else i don't know and we'll see but you at least see you on friday for a coffee break have a good one take care bye bye guys thanks for watching if you're new to the channel we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please direct any appeals to our internal review board, at dev null. Please note that Sepaku. While encouraged, does not guarantee absolution. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Thank you for participating in our longitudinal study of new and exciting messenger RNA gene therapy techniques. Please make a note of any abnormal growths, loss of vision, difficulty breathing, or death. 
Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.